It is the use of the word and sacraments that constitute a congregation in the biblical sense. A sacrament devoid of mission lead to sectarianism, but mission devoid of sacrament leads to secularism. Mission's not in separation or in conflict with the church. Form is incredibly important, uh, and meaning is incredibly important. Welcome to the Lutheran Church Planter, a podcast exploring the theology, philosophy, and practice of planting new Lutheran congregations. I'm your host, Andy Coyle, Church Planter and Director of Home Missions for the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, joined by my co-host and fellow Church Planter, Matthew Ballman. And we've covered a lot of material up to this point already, and uh, we thought before we dive into more of our DNA, our culture within our, our church body, we wanted to have an episode where we try to connect some dots a little bit and just uh, connect some of the things we've talked about to help us just think philosophically about our ministry, about church planting, and, and just about the church in general. And what we want to do, we want to, we want to connect the dots between mission and the church, missiology and ecclesiology. Now we've we've talked about them separately, but we really want to we really believe that they have to go together. Okay. And and so what what I want to do is just do a quick review, really quick, about missiology and ecclesiology, just to get us on the same page, and then talk about why they must go together and what happens when they don't. Okay. So missiology. Again, Matt, what give me a real brief Rundown on missiology, the mission of God. The mission of God is to reconcile humanity to himself through the work of Jesus Christ. That's, that's it. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So where do we see that in the Bible? We see that from Genesis 3, the promise that there will be a seed who will come to crush the head of the serpent. We see the the same promise being continuing to develop, kind of like a rosebud that's opening up. Promise given to uh, Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David, and to the prophets uh, throughout the um, Old Testament, and then of course coming onto the scene in the our Lord Himself, uh, the incarnate God coming into our midst, and then at the end of His earthly ministry in the Great Commission, and that being carried out by the apostles and then by the church today. So we would see all throughout scripture that the heart of God is to reach people. It is to change people. It is to transform people. They are his children, right? And he and he desperately wants to have them made righteous in Christ. And he has done everything possible to do that. And as you said, he has given the church, the disciples right away, and then beyond the church, this great commission to go make disciples. How? By baptizing and by teaching. And that amazing promise that he'll be with you to the end of the age, right? So the heart of God is mission. Uh, we are called to seek and to save the lost mm. evangelism. It is all throughout the Bibles. It is all throughout the church. And we see that and and we celebrate that, the, these amazing stories of missionaries and evangelists. And we see that in our lives today and in the church today. So missiology, there, there's no way around it. It's very obvious. We Missions is good. <laughs> evangelism is good. It is what we are to be about. Ecclesiology, the, the study of the church, and, and we talked about this uh, a little bit more, and this is something that is really important for us to get around, and that this church, both, again, universal, big C church and and local in the congregation, and like this invisible idea of the church too, that really everybody that is in Christ is a part of the church universal, and yet God has created these small local parts of his body, the church, in our congregation. And, and we have a 
I mean, that part of our heritage in the AFLC is to really hit that hard in our in fundamental principles. The congregation is the right form of the kingdom of God on earth. And we talk about how, you know, if we want to experience that kingdom of God, we, we do so in the local congregation. It's where that kingdom is manifested. Uh, can you give us again the definition of the church? We, we are a confessional church body. We, we subscribe to certain things. And so, again, just give us the, the nuts and bolts definition of the church. So our uh, Augsburg Confession defines it in this way, and Seardrup has very, very similar, basically kind of just um, copying the same thing. But the Augsburg Confession says this. It says, The church is the congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. So we have a couple components there. It's uh, the people of God, the saints who've been made holy, right, um, by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. But how do we know where they're at? How do we know where the church is at? It's where the word of God is being rightly taught and proclaimed and where the sacraments are being rightly administered. And we could talk a lot about, you know, well, what does rightly taught and rightly administered mean? Um, but those are the kind of the basic components that we know, like where this is happening and where God people are, that's where the church is at. Yeah, I think that's really an important thing for us to spend some time just e even just clarifying, uh, because I would say it's a pretty current understanding of the church that the church is simply a gathering of believers. Mm. You know, at a local school, they oftentimes in their chapel say, hey, we are the church or or, or whatever. And we just sort of had this idea that, that, that the church is a gathering of disciples, gathering of the saints. Why is that a underdeveloped understanding of the church? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that's, that's where that, you're putting your finger on why this conversation is so important. Because that, that leans into, and I think this is, as we're talking about this tension between ecclesiology and mission and how they need to stay together, right? It's the right hand and the left hand. Um, is that if we over lean into, say, a missiology, what that, what that ultimately will kind of lead us to is what is the bare minimum that we need? What is the bare minimum necessity? So we do have the promise in scripture, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. So we do have that promise, but we don't want to just only go towards the bare necessity. It's like when you eat food, you only want to eat the bare necessity of what you need, right? If you could take a pill, eat a pill and get every nutrition that you needed and you don't never have to eat a meal again. Well, is that a good thing? Well, you could do it. Maybe you could survive in that way, right? I reminded in Star Trek, remember how they, like the little machine, they'd punch the button and they get a little plate with- I always wanted one of those. Oh, I thought they were so cool. Oh, so disgusting though, right? Like, I mean, how, <laughs> uh, it's just kind of this manufactured type thing, right? But no, if you could have a, a, a four course, five course, six course meal, right? The amazing meal, like how much better is that? And that's God's heart for his people, for the church, right? So he, he doesn't want us to be, to settle for the bare minimum, here's a pill you can swallow and get all that you need. Because in fact, he wants you to have so much more than that. So that, right. that, that and, and I think that the, the definition that you gave me earlier provides that, mm, right? How because so? if I remember right, you said the, it is the congregation, the gathering of the believers, but then you didn't have a period there. You kept talking where mm -hmm. the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments. So, so we have a gathering of believers under something, yep. not just by itself, but under the word and the sacraments. And I think. Uh, that full definition is really a significant thing. I came across a quote from Sverdrup. I think it was in the 
the ambassador publication book, uh, The Free and Living Congregations, A Dream That Would Not Die. Mm. And uh, he's quoting Sverdrup, and he said, Therefore, it is the use of the word and sacraments that constitute a congregation in the biblical sense. And so a congregation is not simply the gathering of believers, mm-hmm. right? That That is a good thing. It, it, wonderful thing where believers get together, there's great fellowship, there's there's accountability, there's all these things. However, in the, in, the, in the technical sense, it is not a congregation unless there is word and sacrament ministry. And I think that's really, really significant. And, and I think as we get into this conversation more, we, we will see. So we have, we have the church, this divine gift, right? Where God does all these wonderful things that you talked about, where we see right away, you know, on the disciples, evangelizing and then organizing, mm-hmm. planting congregations. And we see the history of the beauty of the church and congregations throughout history. And really we see the heart of God beyond that in the Old Testament of gathering his people, right? Gathering them, encountering him. And we see that even in the book of Revelation where they are bowed down and holy, 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 this amazing gathering of God's people around something, namely Christ, right? We're in sacrament ministry. And, and so... These are all things that we get. And, and oftentimes we have conversations around missiology and we really just hit it hard. And then we have conversations around the church and what is the church and the role of the church and the purpose of the church. And those are all good things, but oftentimes we sort of keep them in their separate circles. We keep them in their separate silos and we often don't connect them. And I think that's the problem here. I think this is where we want to kind of dig down and start connecting some dots. Because as we think about ministry, as we think about missions, and as we think about church planting, we have to keep them together. Mm. And I would argue for any congregation, any congregation that has fallen into one of these and neglected the other is going to create something that is not what God wants. And it's going to create unhealthy, long-term people. And so, and I don't know why that happens sometimes. And I was thinking about that recently is, is it the personality of people? I mean, are some people just more cognitively minded? So they want to think about the theology of the church and maybe other people are more people or relationally minded. So they just sort of fall into the evangelism side of things. I, I don't know what it is, but, but whatever the case might be, we do see that. We see that even in just our AFLC, we see that in the church at large. It seems like we have people that really focus on theology and the church and then we have people that really just, well, they care about the mission. And, and we have to talk about why they have to go together. And for us, trying to set a, a solid foundation for the philosophy of ministry, of church planting, we must keep them together. Because it's like riding a horse, falling off on one side or the other. We got to stay on that saddle. It's driving down the road. You can't go in one ditch or, or the other. So what, what is lost if we don't keep those together? Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that. So if, let, let's say, if ecclesiology is the main thing, right? The beauty of the church and we neglect missiology, what happens? Well, let's talk about the motivation for that first. Let, let's, let's say why that happens. And I think, I think for congregations and for pastors and for lay people that really focus on the church, what, why is that the case? What, what are their motivations in that? Yeah, things that come to my mind is purity, right? This hyper kind of focus on, and it's good. It's a good focus. Like we should strive to uh, to see the church purified. This is <laughs> Christ, right? Um, wants to see this for his church, that we would hold to the truth, that we would hold forward the truth, that we'd proclaim the truth, that we'd call people to submit to the truth. So I think that that can be a 
probably a really strong motivation on that end of the spectrum. What do you, are there yeah, additional think, things you would add to that? Yeah, I think, I know this is going to come in on both of these, but even the idea of a deep fellowship with other believers, mm -hmm. sometimes, and we, we love that, right? And it's one of the things why we gather. We want to have those deep relationships. And sometimes we can think that the church is purely for that, mm -hmm. that this is the place where we have our spiritual friendships and and we don't think about those outside of our walls because this is our family. It's our church family. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's something that we want to celebrate. I, th I think that can probably cut both ways as we'll see. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, an appreciation and motivation for the encounter with God through the sacraments and through the study of God's word. And going back to what you said, purity, I, I think that's a great way to, to sum this up, that there's a passion for theology, a passion for truth, and a passion to get that right, because this is what God has made. It may be connected to that, a motivation possibly sometimes out of fear of, you know, kind of connected mm. to the, both those factors of the purity right. and, the, and the community and fellowship is a fear of we don't want to, we don't want to lose truth or we don't want to lose the community that we have or just the unknown, right? Being called in kind of this new season and people always make jokes in churches about, you know, how hard change can be. Um, but, but why, why is that, right? It can be, we value something, but it can also be because we fear something. We fear the unknown. So I, that could also be a motivation there as well. Right. So, so let's talk about this then. So what happens when that is the primary thing? What happens when the church becomes the primary thing and mission, the heart of God, evangelism sort of gets in the back room, set aside? What, what what happens? You know, I think a, a couple negative things can happen. I heard, I've shared before we started this podcast, a quote I heard um, was at a session where Dr. Hans uh, Borsma was um, presenting, and he has a great, great little um, quote that really just has stuck in my mind. I've been chewing on and thinking about, if I can get it right here, he said that um, sacraments devoid of mission lead to sectarianism. Okay, that means we kind of get our own little silos and little tribes and little clubs, yeah. right? Um, but mission devoid of sacrament leads to secularism. And we'll maybe right. when we get to talking about yep. uh, missiology and mission driving everything, we'll, we'll talk about mm -hmm. how that. So to that first point that, you know, when we're devoid of mission, it leads to this, this, um, this isolation um, that we're the only really kind of like the pure church. We have the right theology. We're the one true church kind of mentality, whether that be as Lutherans. Sometimes you can hear this among some Lutherans, like we're the only pure right church or even congregations. We're the only right church in this town or in this city. And so both that kind of builds these walls of, of being blessed by other people within the Christian community. Um, I think that that can be a danger, but but it also then can keep us from reaching those people who need Jesus because they're so different and they're not like us and they don't agree with us on everything. So that's one kind of danger that certainly um, some of the fruit that can be born forth in that mindset. Yeah, I think as I think about this too, another danger that happens just again by default is just a going through the motions. Mm. You know, you just, the status quo, this is the church and we do the church thing and it is the doing of church becomes the thing. 
right? And it's this preservation mode, and, and I can see how that can happen so easily. And this institutional mentality of we go and do the church thing, and we don't really seek the purpose of it beyond for the people in the room, which, again, is a beautiful thing, and this is something that we need to highlight, right? But I, I think this can happen a lot. Even I've seen this a lot in our churches in the AFLC, and, I, and again, it's not unique to us at all, but just this sort of dry, sort of closed system where it's become this sort of little club that it's a little bit awkward stepping into because it is so purely based around getting the church thing right that the heart and the joy that comes from the mission side of things, it just isn't there. It's palatable. Mm. And, and, and so it... <laughs> And I think oftentimes the church does get labeled this way. Well, I don't like that kind of church because it feels institutional. It feels dead, mm -hmm. dead orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. That church is dead mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff it, it, because maybe it just feels like people are there going through the motions. They're just saying the same old stuff. They're saying the same old creeds. They're saying the same old whatever. And it doesn't seem like it has any life and it, the classic kind of complaints you have. So therefore we got to do something different, right? And and so I think that's a fair criticism when the doing of the church becomes the only thing that's really that important, the maintaining of the church, the church budgets and all these types of things. Uh, it, and so I think that's a legitimate complaint. Mm -hmm. And so what you have here, you have a situation where the motivation of purity, of, of good theology, of good word and sacrament ministry, of, of this beautiful thing that God has created, when that becomes elevated above mission, unintended consequences happen. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's going to create something in time. It might not be right away. It, it might take a while. In fact, it might even be so slow that we don't even realize it. And then you just sort of, it is what it is. And all of a sudden an outsider comes in and like, what, what's happening here? Because, because bad things have happened over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else about that? Yeah, I mean, this is an ultimate what we're, we're saying in this is like the, the point of these two needing being, being held together in tension. It's not always easy. It's not always black and white because- right. There will be, um, you know, situations that it is possible for an individual and for a church to be going through the motions, and it is rote and dry and dead, mm -hmm. right? There, but but at the same time, right? That tension and balance there is that perhaps there are motions that people go through that an outsider perceives as, well, why are you doing that? It doesn't make any sense to them, right. and yet it's full of life yep. for those individuals. For sure. So you know, and the same thing. One of the the studies we you know that we were talking earlier, um, like all the reasons that people are leaving the church, you know, all these stats of like, you know, this massive, over the last 25 years, like 40 million people, one of the stats we read have left the church. And it's it's astronomical, right? Yes, we've had some growth in maybe Bible-believing conservative churches, um, but overall in America, the attendance has dropped. There's like, there's just no way, we, we can't debate that. It, it, it has, it's shifted, right. yes, but it's dropped overall as well. And one of the reasons, um, you know, one of the many reasons that kind of sociologists point to like, well, why, why is this happening um, is because of that. Uh, I just disagree with where the church is at. I just don't feel like I fit in. I, I disagree with their sexual ethics, right? So people are offended by that. In, in some instances, that's Jesus promised that. Like you will be an offense. <laughs> the gospel will be a stumbling block to the world. So some of that, that that's what kind of make this hard, this conversation hard. Mm -hmm. Is that it, we're trying to yeah. we're trying to kind of peel back the layers on the onion and saying, okay, are we being a stumbling block where we don't need to be, um, or 
maybe we're being a stumbling block because that's the nature of the gospel, right? And that that just makes yeah. this conversation a little bit tricky. And while we do want to say, <laughs> have grace in this conversation and think about it deeply, because it's not sure. it's not always a black and white issue um, when we're talking about it. Yeah, that's very good. Very good. I think that's going to come back as we go along too. Now, now let's go on the other side. Okay, so we just talked about what happens if we can focus on the church and we neglect mission. Uh, people will say that and say, look at you guys. You don't care about the salvation of souls and all this kind of stuff. You just care about exegesis and, and theology and all that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes a fair criticism, sometimes not a fair criticism. Now, sometimes then what happens is the pendulum switches on the other side and we say, okay, well, we are the ones that really care about Jesus and we care about the evangelization of the lost and we care about mission. And so missiology now has become the, the main thing and as a result, ecclesiology gets sort of that back pew spot, that back room spot. And again, the motivation here is, is great, just like the motivation on the other side, right? The motivation is, is the heart of God. Everything we talked about with missiology, getting people saved, helping people to, to acknowledge their sin and to repent and to come to living faith in relationship with Christ. That is a beautiful thing, right? That is, that is the motivation here to reach people. So we have to acknowledge that. That is a great thing. It is part of the heart of God. It's part of the Bible. What are some of the problems then when that happens, when missiology becomes the prism, the lens through which everything is read through with the neglect of ecclesiology? You know, it's overly reductionistic. And I think that's the thing I always want to say is like, it's a both and. If we overly overly reduce it to just this one thing of just reaching people— ultimately then we're, 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 um, again, it's kind of like the food thing. If all it is about getting the vitamins, we'll just eat a pill, eat the vitamin, right? Um, but it's not, it's about so much more than that, right? So what can happen is when we get this one singular laser focus on one thing and guess what? It works. When you get a laser focus on something, you can become very effective in it. But where does balance then intention play into it? Like in my life, I could say, I want to be, just a, a, a person of prayer. And that's the single thing that I want to get a laser focus on. I'm not going to focus on reading God's word, on memorizing God's word, on being in community, on serving the poor, on serving. I just want to pray, right? So 10 hours a day, that's all I'm going to focus on. Well, is it bad for me to pray? No, but it certainly is unhealthy and unbalanced when I'm not actually having this holistic uh, approach to my faith. And that, that's what I would say one of the biggest issues with this is praise God. Yes, it is God's heart to reach the lost and bring them into his kingdom. But it's not at at any cost, right? It's not at, we, don't, we, we can't allow, this is the big word that we've used in prior episodes, pragmatism, right? And it is, pragmatism is a philosophy, and, and many people don't know that. But to say, uh, we will accomplish this basically at, at, at any cost possible. That, that pragmatism causes them to sacrifice really good things unknowingly for the sake of accomplishing that one kind of laser focus thing. So what that can lead to, I mean, a couple things. What what comes to your mind when you see that happen? We get that laser focus on just the missiology and just reaching the lost. What are some of the things that get lost in that? Yeah, and, and this isn't a new thing here at all. Uh, sometimes, you know, when I first started planting, you know, <laughs> I read a lot of these books and we went to some of these things and so it was always presented as the next greatest thing, the next greatest idea, the next whatever. 
and realizing that this is this is nothing new. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question, but I think it's important to answer that question in the context of history. And the the sneaky little secret with this is that it's not new at all. And, and so when you when you listen to the latest greatest podcast talking about yeah, this do this and it's gonna get butts in the seats. It's gonna fill your church. It's gonna do this. Well, it's the same thing we heard 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, and it hasn't produced what it's promised, okay? And, and I think th this is a fair criticism of this, is that when the goal is simply to get people in the door, to, to reach people, obviously that's a good thing, right? But in doing that, you have to redefine the nature of the church, at least that's what's been done. Now that's broad brush. I understand that, but what it has produced is malnourished Christians. One of the things we talk about in church planning is the underchurched, those that yeah they 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 know Jesus and they've come in through maybe some of these types of ministries that are sort of dumbing down the gospel, dumbing down church, redefining church, making it super super easy to get onboarded maybe. But oftentimes there's not that next step. It, it, there's not that deep spiritual formation. It's sort of been divorced from the classical understanding of the church that you talked about, mm. the word and sacrament ministry. And, and so you have these starving people that maybe now have community. Maybe they have a, a fellowship with one another and maybe they even know Jesus, but, but the depth of that is malnourished because the very thing that God has given, word and sacrament, is sort of being marginalized or minimized to get people in in the door. Yeah, I, okay. I got. Can I share a quote here? I yeah. We just finished this book by um, many of our listeners may be familiar with the Hammer of God, and I don't know if I'm saying Such it right because I don't know my Swedish. But is it Boat Garrett's? That's what I've heard. Okay, I've heard Garrett's too. Gert, but Garrett's. Yeah, okay, so I'm sure that some. If you know Swedish, go ahead and tell us how to pronounce that last name. But uh, I've recently just really been um, appreciating him. So I've been reading several of his books in the last month here and just finished this one called Christ Church. Actually, specifically this topic where he talks about the subtitle is her biblical roots, her dramatic history, her saving presence, her glorious future. And like just beautiful, beautiful in here because he, he really seeks to hold the tension together of mission and ecclesiology really well. And here's what he says. And this was written in the 30s. Uh, this is what he said. So 19, like 1931, I believe. He said this quote, when people are not coming to church, God's word is being diluted with lots of other things that are attractive to sinful human nature. The methods vary according to the taste of the people that one is eager to reach. But the consequences are just as disastrous in every case. One gets a public instead of a congregation. One substitutes religious interest for faith. One connects the people to activities, projects, and entertaining events, but not to Christ. Of course, it is quite possible to get a lot of people to come together. Captivating speakers and popular musicians will often attract large audiences. Hundreds of examples of the entertainment offered by the churches are frequently advertised in the newspapers, on community bulletin boards, and on billboards along our highways. That is the way the churches go when they no longer dare to trust only and solely in God's word and sacrament, end quote. When was that written? The 1931, I believe. Man, that sounds like it could be in the latest 
magazine of whatever, you know, it, it, it's, it, this whole issue is so interesting because it, as you look at in the last 150 years of the church and you see the massive transitions within the mainline churches within, which again, is a big part of the Christian in America, the, the heart to reach people or the heart to become relevant in a society uh, fostered a lot of things. Mm. It fostered sort of a decline in the in the authority of Scripture and the trust of Scripture. Well, now we know this, so that the Bible can't be true, or or the the heart to become more relevant. Well, now we're going to redefine some roles here. It, it's just you see this trend throughout the history of the church, especially in the last 150 years, and it's it has looked different as it's gone. But I think we could make a pretty fair critique that when mission has been the number one and ignoring the design of God of the congregation, nothing good really happens. Yeah. And, and in fact, yeah. well, something, it's, something good it's happens. Creating, it's just yeah. at a loss. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's fair. You're right. Yeah. Good happens in the sense that people can know Jesus. Yes. Although the long-term ramifications of that are still a little bit sketchy. And, and this is also another point here is it's not just simply getting people in the door, helping them to know Jesus. We're, we're, we're very much interested in lifelong, deep, reflective disciples. Mm. We are called to make disciples, how? By baptizing, by teaching. Mm. Uh, that, that is lifelong spiritual formation, not simply getting a person to sign on the dotted line and getting them into a group to make friends for a year or two before they move on to something else. And, and so I think... We have to understand that missions is amazing. It is so good. You and I both have a heart for missions. However, missions not in separation or in conflict with the church. And, and the more that we can keep these two things together, the more that I think we get more to the heart of God in the heart of mission. God has, has a heart for mission. We are called to seek and to save the lost, and he has literally designed the institution for that, which is the congregation. And our call then with vocations to go out and to spread the gospel of Christ and to bring people in to gather in this encounter with God, it all works together. Mm. And whenever we allow one of these to redefine the other, we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And I think as we talk about church planning, we have to just be very open and honest about this. Let's just get our philosophy of ministry out in the open and be able to talk. Because I think, especially in the AFLC, we have people on both sides of this and it's been a part of our heritage. And I think we just need to be able to openly, honestly talk about that and recognize, okay, all right, you have a person over on this side that cares so much about mission and evangelism. Praise the Lord. Well, we have to make sure that we're, we're staying on that saddle. Mm. And we have people on the other side caring, you know what? We got to get back to the theology of the church and the theology of the congregation and all these beautiful things. Great. We have to keep the, the the lost in focus too. And so I think within home missions, within church planting, our goal is so much is to frame our conversation and frame the local congregation on that saddle, keeping both together. Because the minute we fall off, the minute we go into the ditch, I don't think we're being faithful. Now notice here, we are not talking about models here. Um, you know, we're, we're just simply talking about the deep, deep nature of the, the church, the core of the church, the purpose of the church, a robust missiology and a robust ecclesiology kept together, we believe, 
is going to then foster the healthiest types of congregations that produce then lifelong, deep, reflective, formed Christians, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to say, and this is kind of like the messy middle, it's not all about just having good intentions, and it's not all about just going through the right motions, right? It's, it's, it's the both right. end. You, form is, is incredibly important, uh, and meaning is incredibly important. You need both those being yeah. held together. And I, again, this extreme of, well, the form doesn't matter at all as long as you're kind of getting the content across. That's all that matters. Or it's all about the form, the heart, and the content don't really matter, right? We're, we're saying, no, you got to hold these two together. And it's hard and yep. difficult, but that's what we're called as the church to walk into of not overly simplifying, not just uh, reflecting what culture is doing, and not just mindlessly going through motions that we don't understand, but all these together. And it takes work, and it's hard, and it's difficult. And some people will say, well, I'm, and I've heard this before, I'm just a simple Christian. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really have the ability to think through these types of things. And yet I would say like, well, <laughs> especially as church planters, we are creating something, right? We're establishing something new. And it's ideally, it's not us doing it, but it's Christ establishing his church in the way that he has prescribed. And that culture will look slightly different depending upon its context and place and who's leading that. But what we would say is we believe that scripture does lay out some, some means and methods that are in scripture that the church has handed down to us, means and methods and content and form that uh, we should we should really have a serious conversation about like, well, what are these? And let's walk faithfully in those. And if we're going to change it, we need to know why we're changing it and then what we're potentially losing when we do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's just a, a heart for integrity there and for understanding to keep that balance, just as you said. And so this is a conversation I think that we want to come back to over and over and over again because it is so easy to fall off one side to the other, especially within the church planning world. But I think this is a healthy conversation for every congregation, whether you're two years old or 150 years old, is to stay in that healthy middle of a robust, robust theology of the congregation, of the celebrating of the beauty of the word and the sacraments, the very thing that God has created to create life, right? and a robust missiology that that then congregation has been tasked and the Christians inside of it to spread the gospel and to, to seek and to save the lost and to bring these things together. They are not in conflict with one another. They are God's gifts. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today. We would love to have you help us. Again, this is a new podcast. We invite you to share it with your friends, share it with on your social platforms. Uh, take a moment, subscribe to it. Really helps us to uh, see if this is being effective or not. If you're interested in exploring church planting within the Lutheran Free Church, actually the Free Lutheran Church, <laughs> we would love to have a visit with you. Contact us at aflchomemissions.org. Thanks.